Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Very warm afternoon here in Yerushalayim. It was over 100 degrees today. But uh, it's the warmth of goodness that dominates us here in Yerushalayim. We're in Perik Dalid in Pirkei Avot, and we're at Mishnah Hay, Rabbi Yochanan Mebroka Omer. The topic here uh, this afternoon is Chilul uh, Hashem. So he says, Kol HaMachala L'Shem Shamayim Baseser Anyone who desecrates the name of God, he brings dishonor to the Torah, to the Jewish people, to himself. But he does so Baseser, privately. Nifroim Imenu Begoli Heaven will exact its punishment upon him publicly. Now, what does that mean? First of all, it's very hard. Uh, we have to come to a definition of Chilul Hashem. And how can you have a Chilul Hashem privately? Chilul Hashem is always public. People know about it. If you do something privately, then how does that raise itself to the level of Chilul So here we have an insight. Chilul is a very subjective topic. One person's Chilol Hashem is not a Chilol Hashem for someone else. Depends on your station in life. Depends how you represent yourself to others. Depends how what, how people think of you. And therefore, Chilol Hashem is a very elastic situation. Uh, for instance, the Talmud teaches us that Rav, the great uh, Amora, uh, the man who established the yeshiva and surah in Bovel, and who to a certain extent is really the father of the Babylonian Talmud. So Rav was asked, what's a Chilol Hashem as far as he's concerned? So he gave a, an answer that's very personal. He said, if I don't pay my butcher's bill on time, that's a Chilol Hashem. Now let's think of it. The butcher is probably very proud that Rav is his customer. He may even use that to his advantage. 
people come and say to him, you know, what's your hechsher? Who do you rely on? And he says, well, he says, I want you to know that Rav is a regular customer of mine. So uh, that really carries weight. It's a big advantage to the butcher. So if Rav uh, orders meat and doesn't pay that day the butcher, the butcher may not really be concerned because he knows that Rav will pay him tomorrow or he'll pay him in 10 days. But he knows that Rav is not going to cheat him, God forbid. Rav is certainly going to pay the bill. But there's a flash, an instant, when the butcher thinks, because the butcher is human, all of us are human, the butcher thinks, ah, he's taking advantage of me, he's not paying today. He knows that I, uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. He knows I'm not going to call him up for the money. He's the great Rav. So there's a flash of this suspicion that because he is the great Rav, he's going to take liberties with him. He's not going to pay the bill today. He'll pay it tomorrow. Meanwhile, he got the chicken and the meat. So Rav says, in my position in life, that's a chil of Hashem. Because then he says, you know, you see the rabbis, you know, the big Talmud Chachomim. Yeah, but it comes to money. Now, if this would be Mr. Cohen, let's say, ordinary customer from the street who's not Rav, who's not the great Tatmid Chacham, who has no reputation, so to speak. And uh, the butcher sells to him, and he says to him, okay, you know, I'll pay you tomorrow. I don't have any cash. I don't want to write you a check. I don't have a credit card. I'm going to pay you tomorrow. That a butcher says, fine. As far as Mr. Cohen is concerned, that's not a chilo Hashem. Because the butcher does not extrapolate from Mr. Cohen that this is Torah, this is God, this is Judaism, this is the way, you see the way they behave. He doesn't think that way. He just thinks this is a customer, you know, that pays, but he pays a little late, so what? So we see that Chil Hashem is a very... And that one cannot compare one's Chil Hashem to somebody else's Chil Hashem. So what does it mean, Chilul Hashem B'Seser? Means that you know whether it's a Chilul Hashem or not. You are able to determine. In your heart's heart, you know. 
So again, if you somehow uh, are, feel realize that you're in a position of public uh, scrutiny, so if you're in such a position, then even a private matter, because you know that Zechil Hashem is Zechil Hashem, you're not able to escape that. And that's a very, very harsh and exacting judgment. Especially uh, when we deal uh, when we deal with others, and the others are not necessarily like us. So if I come in and I am dressed, so to speak, as an observant Jew. One of the things in life that I, uh, if I can speak personally, I never wore the rabbinic frock because I didn't want to be judged that way. If you put on the rabbinic frock, if you dress like that, then you're you're saying I can be held to a higher standard, and people will judge you to a higher standard. We see it every day here in Israel. Israelis in Tel Aviv judge Haredim to a different standard than they judge other Israelis. Why? Because the Haredim are wearing the frock. If you want to wear the frock, oh, so then uh, how do you behave in business? How do you behave in politics? So uh, this type of Chilul Hashem is a very slippery slope. It's uh, very, very difficult to escape from it. And that's why it says, You'll be paid back publicly, right? The, the papers will write about it. In our time, it's obvious. Not only that, in our time, there's nothing that's possessor and nothing that's hidden. Everything is begoli. But uh, the exposure to Chilol Hashem is always present in whatever we do. And that has to be a uh, paramount idea in how we behave in our lives. How we behave towards others. How we behave in commercial matters, in shopping, and whatever. Parking a car. Now, because of that standard, we have uh, the Gemara says the Rambam Paskins 
that Chil uh, Hashem, there's no amount of tshuva that can erase it. Because it has ramifications that you don't even know about. How can you know the impression that you made upon people who don't even you don't even know that uh, that they uh, that they're aware of you? you so there's no way to redress it. There's no way to bring it back. So that's one problem. Now, if that wasn't enough, Rabbi Yochanan Mabroka adds, Echod Shogeg Vechod Mezid Bechilo Hashem. Usually we have a difference between whether a person transgresses Bishogeg without intent, without really. Uh, really uh, thinking about it before he does it. So uh, if you if you if a person sins b'shogeg at the <clears throat> at the time of the base amigdish, he would bring a korm chatos. He would confess his sin and he would be forgiven. We'll say it on Yom Kippur in the davening. Alas gogos valas donos. Mace it is, he knows what he's doing. He intends to do it. He intends to do this act. But Bachu Hashem, there is no difference. That's what Rabbi Yochanan Broca says here. Echad shogeg, echad mezid bechilol Hashem. So how in the world can we escape from such a thing? It's completely subjective. It's completely dependent, so to speak, on what others think of me. What does the butcher think of Rav? Why should I be in the hands of the butcher? What do I care what he thinks? And yet that's the example of the Gemara. And even if I didn't intend, Ralph went to the store and he thought that he had cash in his pocket and now he sees he doesn't. So he's a shogeg. Yet Rabbi Yochanan ben Broko says, Echad shogeg v'echad meisid v'chilo Hashem. And to pile onto this, the Rambam says that there's no tshuva. So we're all doomed. How can one escape? So to this, there is a piece in the Shari Tshuva of Rabbeinu Yona Im Gerundi. Rabbeinu Yona was the uh, Talmud, the, the disciple of the Ramban. 
in the late 1200s. He was from the city of Girona. That's why he's called Ibn Gerundi in Spain. Now, uh, there's a background to this. The background is there was a great dispute regarding uh, the works of the Rambam, uh, the first section of the Mishnah Torah, and the Morinavuchim, the guide to the perplexed. And there were many that opposed his works. They opposed the study of philosophy generally, and they opposed his approach to uh, explaining mitzvot, whatever. It's a, it's a long, it's a long and uh, continuing, uh, I wouldn't say dispute, but a difference as to how to look at things in the Torah. Do we look at them rationally or do we look at them purely uh, spiritually and miraculously? And the Rambam it was the supreme rationalist. He uh, he explained everything, and he explained it rationally. And many times people felt that that was not only unsatisfactory, but that it was a uh, weakening of faith. Because if you try to give a rational explanation, and the explanation doesn't really fit, or it really doesn't last from generations. So then the whole mitzvah falls apart. And that certainly can't be because all of the mitzvot that we have are eternal. There's no time limit on them. It's not a mitzvah for one generation and not another. So especially in Provence, The Rambam had his greatest supporters in Provence, and he had his greatest opponents in Provence. And uh, Rabbeinu Meir, Halevi, Abu Lafia, the Yad Ramah, uh, led the charge against the Rambam. And uh, the... uh, matter was very heated for uh, a number of decades. And what happened was, as always happens, when great people disagree, uh, their hangers-on, who are not as great, bring it to a personal and lower level of dispute so that sometimes it becomes even violent. Terrible things are done. We see Bahavdu, uh, but we see how in uh, political matters it's all personal. I hate the guy. Well, if I hate him, then you know I can burn down. Uh, I can burn down the store. 
I can make a demonstration at midnight and keep everybody up. I can do whatever I want because I hate them. So the uh, struggle against the Rambam, who was already deceased, Rambam died in 1205, and this is about 1270. So the struggle uh, came to such a head that the opponents of the Rambam uh, informed the Catholic Church that the works of the Rambam were very anti-Christian and anti-Catholic, which is true. The Rambam held that uh, Catholicism was a motor Most of the posts can disagreed with him, but he held that way. And therefore, on the basis of the information that Jews, religious Jews, gave to the church, the church then authorized the burning of the books of the Rambam, which occurred in Provence and even in parts of Spain. After that, then our Rabbeinu Yonah, whom I mentioned was a disciple of the Ramban, also opposed the Rambam. He certainly was not one of the informers, but he took a strong stance against the Rambam. And not only that, he preached publicly in many communities that the opinion of the Rambam was an error and that people shouldn't use his books. So um, um, thereafter, the church also started to look at the Talmud. And as it happened in France, they gathered all the copies of the Talmud they could lay their hands on and burned them. When that happened, so then the Jewish world went into shock. And there were wise people that said that in heaven they allowed the Talmud to be burned because we engaged in burning the books of the Rambam. So like in heaven said, you know, you want to burn, I'll show you that we can burn a lot of things. When that happened, Rabbeinu Yonah regretted his previous behavior and decisions. And he himself traveled to every community where he had spoken against the Rambam. And he now said that that was wrong and that he retracted the words and that he did not anyone to, anyone to follow his original sermon, his original statement about those books of the Rambam. But he felt that that was not sufficient. 
So he wrote one of the basic books of Jewish ethics and philosophy himself, called the Shari Tshuva, The Gates of Repentance. It's been translated into English a number of times. It's one of the books that the Balai Musar always studied. And in it, he posited an original idea. He said, even though the tradition had been that there was no avenue of repentance open for Chilul Hashem, he said, there is a way out. And the way out, he says, is to make a Kiddush Hashem. And so to speak, that'll counterbalance things. What is a Kiddush Hashem? A Kiddush Hashem is influencing Jews to do good things. So if you are active in promoting good things, you're Mekadesh Shem Shemayim. You sanctify heaven. And he said that that would counteract, so to speak, the uh, failing of Chilul uh, Hashem that was involved. So I remember my uh, Rebbe, my teacher, of Christ's words, used to always say, he, he went, he went and spoke everywhere. Anybody that invited him to speak, he went to speak. You know, we just had the, that Zalman the Chemya Goldberg passed away. There's a tzaddik Yerushalmi Agon. You know, and he, he was well known and nobody knew him. You know, one of those great people. So he would go speak. Anybody that asked him, Rebbe, come and say a shear for me, come and say, he would go and do it. I, I was told this week that, uh, that once uh, a bus driver from Egged said to him, Rebbe, you know, we've got a break. Would you come and tell us Dvar uh, Torah? So he went to the Tachana America seat, and there were 15 bus drivers there smoking on the break, and he said a shear for them. Torah is Torah. Sort of a Christ used to always say, people you say, how come you're, you're always going to speak and you speak, the, it, it isn't, uh, you're not speaking to 500 people every time. And you're not speaking in a major synagogue. So he would say, the problem in the rabbinate is that we are all susceptible to Chilol Hashem. People say things about rabbis. He comes late, he comes early. Look how good he looks, look how bad he looks. They said it about Moshe Rabbeinu. The Medrash says that every day when he walked out, they looked at him and they said, oh, 
Look how good he looks. And he said, sure, he looks good because we're paying him a good salary. Or he said, he looks bad. Oh, yeah, he must, you know, he fights a lot with, with his family. So a, a person that finds oneself in the public eye, whether one wants to be in the public eye or not, is always susceptible to Chilul Hashem. Because people don't limit it to the person. They look at the office, at the position, and then they look at, so to speak, oh, he thinks he's serving God, so it's escalated until heaven also. So he said that the Rabbeinu Yonah opened the door for them, for us. That if you go speak and you influence people to one person, and you never know who you influence. Shlomo Melech said, Cast your bread upon the waters. You don't know who's going to hear you. You don't know who's going to touch you. Who's going to be influenced, especially in our time when there are recordings and Zooms and tapes and all sorts of things. So that now is a Kiddush Hashem. You've elevated people. They think differently. Follow a different path. So he said, therefore, whenever they ask you, you have to go, if you can. If you're physically able to go. In all my years when I was a rov in America, in the month of Elul, whoever invited me to speak, I always went. Even if it was uh, to groups that I didn't necessarily uh, agree with their philosophy or their behavior or who were far distant from me because I felt that this was a way I could redress what is automatic, so to speak, in the rabbinate is that people look at it in a way that can create Chilul Hashem. And that's what he said, you can't control it. It's out of your hands. So one would say, so don't do anything. Right? Stay in bidud. We are all uh, aware of that uh, answer. You know, they go, don't go out, don't talk, don't see, don't visit, don't do anything. You can't live life like that. And you were not created in life to stay in bidud. And therefore, one has to exercise the remedy of Kiddush Hashem. And there are 150 ways every minute to do that. How I behave towards others. 
Gemara talks about saying hello to people in the morning. We say uh, we uh, we come to shul in the morning. The uh, the uh, street cleaner is always there. The the uh, Muslim uh, street cleaner. You always say good morning to him. Bokertov. Uh, what I have to say, Bokertov, to him. What's what connection do I have to him? That's the connection. That's the, that's what's involved. I remember once uh, <laughs> someone gave me, us a uh, for Purim for Shalachmonas a box of very expensive Belgian chocolates. And I looked and I looked and looked at it. I couldn't find the hechsher on it. So I didn't know what to do with it. So I took it down with me. And the next morning I saw, you know, our regular street cleaner here on the corner. And I gave it to him. said, Ahmed here. So he looks at me and he says, what's wrong? No hechsher? So he figured it out. That's the whole concept of Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem. If you don't know who's going to figure it out and you don't know what influence you have and you don't know how things are. So Nifroim Mimenu Begolui means that you will have instances in your life where it will be clear to you not necessarily you'll be written up in the paper, but it'll be clear to you what happened here. Just like it was clear to Rabbi Yona that when they burned the Talmud, that had a connection to the fact that previously Jews had burned the books of the Rambam. That's an attitude in life, to see the always the big picture. And in the big picture, all of these things occur. And we're bound to it. And it stands us in good stead. So uh, especially now as we prepare for the Yom Noroyim, we have to prepare mentally as well. We all wondered then where I'm going to daven, how is the show going to work, and how am I going to hear shofar, etc. But you have to prepare mentally and spiritually as well. What kind of yomadin is it going to be? So this is a key. If I can pile up enough Kiddush Hashem, I'll be all right, no matter what. And all of us can do so. We have countless encounters where a Kiddush Hashem can be easily created. And it will stand us in very good stead, Leom Adin, on the Day of Judgment, because of the fact that we realize deep down in our own hearts that we are the ultimate judges 
of Kiddush Hashem, and God forbid, of Chilul Hashem as well. So I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, Thursday, we will do the Parsha again, Kitav And everybody should stay well. And in Israel, we should all keep cool and hear good news one from another. Thank you again, Cold Tube Seller.